Hello everyone, welcome to the Dialogue Box. It's me, Chris Slight, and with me, as ever, is Gwen Frey. But we have a guest this week. Alan, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing very well, thank you. Glad to hear it, my man. We're going to talk about royalties and such, from what Gwen was telling me, if I recall. Yeah, we were uh, we were chatting last night a little bit about royalties and how we pay our teams and so forth, and we're just having a big conversation, and I thought, let's continue it today. All right. Tell me about it, because I don't know much about how this whole system works, so please elucidate. Oh, well, when you, when you start making an indie game, you have to figure out how you're going to pay your people. Um, and a lot of times you don't have money initially, especially if you're making your first game or if it's early on, or there's just a million reasons why you may not have any money to pay somebody, but you'll, you'll want to work with other people. And there's Mm. just a lot of different ways you can get together a group of people and start a game. Um, and I, I was talking to Alan about this and I thought, uh, the, the pros and cons of paying people royalties. And I always thought what he did was really interesting, um, because he, Alan, I mean, you can speak to this. You, you generally pay everybody with royalties, right? Uh, so, yeah. I, so, my position is that uh, if you worked on a game in any significant capacity, you should get royalties from that game. Uh, I don't mean that in terms of, like, you should only get paid in royalties. So you should also get mm-hmm. paid up front um, as long as the team has money. Uh, but uh, I think if the game is even slightly successful and and enough to pay you more than what you initially paid, you should be paid that. So I, I would say I've been offered this before as an artist and, and I've just, I've got experiences across different team sizes and stuff. And I'll say, usually when somebody's offering you royalties, they're like, hey, we can't pay you as much, but you'll get royalties in the back end. It's always a scam when you're an artist. And I can give you very specific examples, right? Like I can tell you about, um, there's, there's a, a larger team uh, that I know of where they they a lot of people they basically said you can take all the money up front but we can't have everybody do that if you're interested in royalties we have an opportunity where you can get a percentage of um, profit sharing which is very different from rev sharing by mm-hmm. the way and um, then what they did was they they went out and they got publisher funding up front that didn't count towards the profit sharing right and so they manipulated things. Not intentionally, but you know they needed the money to make the game, and they manipulated things so that they never had any profit. Um, and it's not like this is—it's not like people intend to do this, right? Like it's not like people intend to screw over their artists or the people on their team. But it's very, very often that you—that in such a turbulent industry, taking royalties is a massive risk. And I think, like, I—I uh, I, honestly, as somebody who who's worked on various games of different levels there's very few times i'd be interested in doing it right like i feel like for one thing it it limits you immensely say you say you you're like hey i I, i'll tell you right now for kine my musician said hey what if you just pay me in royalties i'll take five percent of the game and i just flat out said no because i want the right to decide i don't want to make the game anymore and cancel it um or make the game much bigger in scope or much smaller in scope so that five percent would make more or less sense or like when I first started out I had no idea what I was making and there was no way to lock down a royalty for something like that you know what I mean so I just feel like this is it, no matter what the team size this is just such an insane risk to ask somebody to take on and it's so I, I feel like you're you're selling a dream when you offer somebody royalties you're saying oh but if we make a million dollar a couple million dollar game you know then you'll 
you'll get a piece of the pie. And I guess that's true. But the, the vast majority of the time, you're barely breaking even. Like this, the vast majority of the time that those royalties don't pan out. So I... Uh, yep, no, uh, I, I do actually agree with everything you just said. Like financially, it's... Yeah, you should, you should almost never take... If you're given an option between higher pay and royalties, if you crunch the numbers, it will almost never make sense to take royalties. Mm-hmm. Um, that sucks, but that is the way that it goes. Um, what I am doing on my current project, uh, and we haven't actually defined numbers for RevShare yet, but uh, which is its own problem, but I hopefully am working with a team that... Will, so uh, I do want to clarify: Is it rev share or profit share you're doing? Uh, rev share. What's the difference? Oh. Other than the well, words, obviously. <laughs> you want to explain? Yeah. It so um, rev share would be uh, any money the game makes, um, team members get a percentage of that. Whereas mm-hmm. uh, profit share would be um, not how much money the game takes in, but how much money the game takes in versus the the studio is spending so ah. uh if you it's, it's very easy to to cook the numbers so that a studio is not profitable even if it is actually making a lot of money huh. like oh uh looks like i had to pay myself uh a lot of bonuses this year sorry guys <laughs> can it actually be like that? Well, that's amazing i mean there's a there's a Hollywood accounting is obviously mm-hmm. bullshit, but there is no ray in between, right? Like, because you get, um, so for instance, say you're selling through a storefront or you're selling through a publisher, you need to work out like if the there's a difference between your publisher takes, I don't know, thirty percent, and then what's remaining, you guys split up versus your publisher takes thirty percent and there's ten percent uh, rev share. Do you understand what I'm saying? Mm. So it's the difference between getting 10% of 70% or 10% of 100%. So it actually gets very complicated and you have to really carefully define these things because you you can easily end up in a... You, I'll give you an example. So Epic's 5% storefront fee does not uh, take... I'm sorry, Epic's 10... Or sorry, the engine fee, they, they take 5% if you use the the unreal engine mm. um that does that's five percent gross right so if you sell a game on steam steam takes 30 percent and epic takes five percent however i have a if i have a, a rev share deal i'll usually structure it so it's after storefront fees so i will pay like say on um the flame of the flood we actually did did uh, rev share uh with our musician there and he got 2%, but he got 2% of the 70% after the storefront fees. I see. Like you, and they, it, you, it actually breaks down even further because like there's what does the publisher get as a percentage and does that percentage come before Epic's or the storefront fee? And the order of these things totally does matter, right? Mm. Yeah, you percentages can, of percentages of percentages. <laughs> Sounds yeah. simple. <laughs> And it, it gets even more complicated. Like, say, I, I always, I'm a huge believer, I love working with musicians. Like, I've, I'm obviously, we worked very closely with our musician on the Molasses Flood, and I'm working very closely with a musician right now for Kind, right? But, um, and I want, I, I believe musicians should own their music. 
and that they should be able to like Mitchell should take this music if kind is successful and he should go be able to play it and I, I don't want to be get a cut of whatever he sells on iTunes I mm. want him to own the music I want him to be a, well I need to own the music so that I can put it in games going forward but he has an unlimited license to um sell it as well if it's just music and to perform it right like we worked out a deal but there are things where I want him to be able to sell his soundtrack next to the game on a storefront and if they're bundled I want him to get 100% of the sales from the music but uh how do you put it we have to work out what percentage of the bundle that the music is mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in a bundle. Like it just gets really, really complicated. And I, I feel like it, it can be so you're, you're setting yourself up for a lot of complicated conversations. Once you go down the rev share and profit share path, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's fair. Um, I, I think, I guess working in smallish teams, um, those conversations are fair, have been fairly easy for me to negotiate. It's like uh, it, it's been possible to work out a balance between um, what's easiest and what's fair. Um, and generally, people have been fairly understanding of like, oh, well, this is easiest. It's not obviously more or less fair than anything else. So let's just do it this way. And then just choosing numbers that make sense for whatever... Um, accounting system you've you've decided on at what point do you start figuring out the rev share and setting up these contracts do you just kind of like do you have to know the scope of the game right when you do it or uh yeah so i i do not condone this approach necessarily but what i've done in the past has always just been work out what rev share feels right at the end of the project um so you you have to be okay with um, yeah, you 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 have to trust everyone on the team um, to to like not be completely um, like over greedy and go like well not over greedy but like yeah you have to trust that everyone will be able to come to an agreement then and that it's not going to turn into this uh, massive drama where one person says they need this much and like, yeah, you can't come to an agreement that everyone is happy with. Mm-hmm. Um, but the last... Do you also last, do you also pay everybody all along the way? So, like, how do you... yeah. So for Soccer Bond and A Good Snowman, uh, no one was getting paid up front and then it was 100% rev share. And that is not great um but we couldn't have made those games any other way um Mm. and then for cosmic express uh the artist and the musicians were paid up front and then they get rev share as well and uh the ben the programmer and me the designer we both were working just for rev share um and then on this game um, and for all of these games, you figured out the rev share at the end. You just kind of came together. Yeah, we just came together and were like, hey, what feels fair? Um, wow. So has it been pretty much the same group of people? Uh, no. So I've been working with Ben um, for a few games now, um, mostly. And then the artist we're working with on this game is the same artist we worked with on Cosmic Express. But um, mm-hmm. 
other than that, there's like a, a lot of fluctuation. Um, this game is a bigger team, so it's going to be more effort to figure that out at the end. Um, and also we've had people who've done work that uh, is like prototyping work that may not make it into the final game. Um, and uh, so we're going to have to work out, um, does it make sense to give those people row share or should we not pay them anything more than what they were paid or should we just give them like a small lump sum to say, hey, thanks for that work that got us over this quality bar line so we could get, yeah. How do you not figure that out? Like they've, I assume you've signed a contract. With them <laughs> <and you've started>. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> oh dear, what? <laughs> I'm, I'm signing contracts with the current team um, soon um, in advance of getting oh. a funding deal. Um, and I'm anticipating that that will either not guarantee a rev share or it will guarantee a small rev share um alan this is insane yep. man like what happens if somebody just says no i need more money and then you can't make it work like what do you do uh you mean during development or after development during uh, before you sign a contract like say because you you've got a i've seen what you're working on you're quite far along mm -hmm. And it's not a small game, uh, so yeah, it, you it, can't just remove somebody's work if they if you can't come to an agreement with them. I mean, so we we have a um, I can't remember the term. Like we, we we have an agreement. It's just not in paper, and like that goes a long way. Like I'm I'm not a lawyer, and I know lawyers mm -hmm. prefer like actual contracts. But like we have an agreement. We have like terms discussed in chat. Um, yeah, that'll do. So we we don't have like an exhaustive agreement, but we have like something that we've agreed on. Um, so uh, I I think yeah for for this current project it's it's silly and we should have a contract and we're going to have contracts uh, for past contract for past projects. It's like yeah they were they're smallish. Um, everyone trusted each other. Um, no one yeah. was yeah like I I don't really run this in a in a very professional way and i'm fine with well, that no we just have different perspectives because you work on much like you're you run much leaner teams and much shorter game game development cycles than i ever have right yeah and i know i i i guess i don't want to work with people who i feel like i would need a contract to trust that they're not gonna bail or suddenly ask for more money um, which is well, maybe it, optimistic. It's not that. It's, uh, uh, to me, uh, like, I don't judge anybody that, as somebody who's been an artist that's been a freelancer whose livelihood has relied on this, I, ex most professionals, anybody I know that's professional would expect a contract. Mm. Um, I've, in fact, I had one, maybe it's an American thing, because I do remember, like, I, um, I was working with my, friend out in uh like like i've hired surface digital to help me out with kind and we're working together and he was like we don't need a contract for the first couple months i mean it's a formality if you want to do it and i was like oh we didn't even have a handshake deal we didn't even talk about terms i'm like i don't know how much i'm paying you yet i'm uncomfortable with the fact that you're comfortable with this <laughs> like it seems so it's so bizarre and mm -hmm. i because in in america all you hear is the artist worked for without a contract and then got screwed. And the first thing that everyone tells you in art school is to 
to get, you don't need like a written contract that your lawyer signed, but get somebody to say in writing an email or something that they will pay you a certain mm-hmm. amount. Um, no, no, yeah. I, I, I have that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I can, I can see that. I think I I'm also... It was an American thing, but, oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no. Yeah, you, well, your, your wife freelances, right? Yeah, and so did I for many a year. I would always, just as a point of protection for myself, would always want a contract. Like with, I think it was literally, the only times I ever did work that didn't involve a contract was directly for friends. Like if I was working with someone who was my close friend already. That's the only instance I can think of. But otherwise it was generally like a mutual protection kind of thing. It's, and it, it feels like, I would feel like it's rude like yeah. for me to ex- to allow somebody to work without a contract, to allow an artist to, to or any anybody providing any kind of service to do it without paying. <coughs> I'm not saying you're rude. I'm sorry. I didn't mean mm-hmm. that. It's no, just no. like, no, I, it's I get a what different mindset. Yeah, I mean, so for some context, like uh, Sokobon and Snowman, they they were really jam projects that got out of hand. Um, yeah. So it like I it wasn't until Cosmic Express that we even set out to make a thing from the start, going, oh well, this will probably be a commercial game, um, and yeah. So so before that, it's very much like, oh, I'm making a game with my friends. And then over the course of the game, you realize its scope and you realize, oh, hey, maybe we should be selling this. Um, Man, that's and so that's cool. a very you different know that never mindset. Works. Oh, yeah. No, <laughs> I, I don't know how, how I got to where I am. Well, you're good at what you do. That's incredible, man. Like, because I, I mean, I would start making games with friends and it was inevitably like somebody would get busy. Somebody like usually when we're making games at home, it's because like you're bored at work or something. Uh and eventually you stop being bored at work before the game ends. And then oh, let me tell you, I was real apart. bored at work when I started making soccer ones. <laughs> what were you doing back then? Uh, I was doing web development. Uh, oh, that'll do it. Yeah, yeah that, that sure do. will. Yeah, I think we, um, one of my favorite projects that was like that back in the day, like, God, I was out in California and uh, I had... One friend that was working in finance that wanted to be a gameplay programmer back. We used to make games back in college, and I remember we we were like, "All right, it's time. We're gonna we're gonna make an indie game in our free time." And then, uh, and then two things happened. He stopped being bored at work, and uh, what was it? The the library that we were building the thing on uh, the .NET or whatever, whatever the framework was. I don't remember. Like something was discontinued, some Microsoft thing, and it just fell apart immediately after working on it like every night for oh, a year. Oh, sucks. Uh, but that happens constantly, mm-hmm. right? Oh yeah, like, for sure. So it's it's cool. It's cool that you you did it mm-hmm. <laughs> from a game jam. But you pay your people with royalties. Do you like I? Okay, so now I'm thinking I can definitely see a way to do this, and I know it's something we were talking about. Um, like at the molasses flood, we would get together and you have meetings about what what do we want our studio to be going forward and what's important. And I remember uh, one of the things we talked about was always having a um, 10% of the profit will go into a pool that gets distributed to employees. Basically what you're describing. But we don't, and we tell employees there will be profit sharing, but we don't tell them what and we don't decide the pool exactly until we ship the game. Mm-hmm. So that's similar, but it's a little bit safer and it, it doesn't, it doesn't let people work the the 
potential of having a bonus or the potential of having royalties into their their expectations. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so that is actually kind of similar to what I'm trying to do now, um, which is um, I believe as a moral thing that people who work on games should get royalties. Um, And I also believe Mm -hmm. that you should get paid a fair wage for the work you're doing. So I'm basically separating the two. I'm saying, okay, like, what, what's what's the budget for making the game? Um, what what are your living costs? So what what's a good rate to pay you? Um, mm-hmm. And mostly, uh, I'm not even discussing revenue share at that point. It's just like, okay, we're doing this work. I mean, who knows what's going to happen? Maybe this project will get cancelled. What's a good rate for your work? Um, but then on top of that. At the end of the project, I'm I'm not going to say, well, we agreed to that, and like that's that's all you're going to get. I, like we we made a game. It's not it's not like even if I'm finding the funding for this game, I it's not my game. Uh, so uh, when we release, it's like okay, what? How much of this project? Um, how what? How much of the revenue should go to each person? And I think what we're going to do for this project is we will consider all the development costs as an advance on royalties. So if the game never makes uh, a lot of money, then people's rev share won't hit the point where it's over what they've already been paid. Um, So that's, I think, what we're going to do on this game. That's literally, is that not profit sharing though? Uh... I mean, I guess if there's ongoing, okay, so profit sharing, I wouldn't say that profit sharing is like, and then you start making the next game and that comes out of the pool. I, I would say profit sharing is like after the revenue for the game. And yes, you can, sometimes games require more revenue after they launch, like because you need to make DLC or because sometimes in order to, for instance, if you you want to port the game to a new platform to the PS4 or something, right? Um, that's going to cost some money. So that's going to increase the amount of um, that the game costs to make which will come out of uh, the pool of money. So the, like, th- that's what I mean when I yeah, say Yeah, so, so the it's difference after. there is um, uh, I'm, 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 I'm working this out per person. So like um, porting costs or marketing costs, that doesn't matter. I'm talking about um, what's, your, what's, your, what's the percentage rev share on this game that feels fair? And then uh, how much have I already paid you specifically? Um, and then when the percentage goes over the amount that when the percentage of the money that the game has made lifetime goes over the amount that you've already been paid in wages while you were working on it, then you'll start getting that rev share. That makes sense. So marketing porting costs, that's like a separate budget entirely. It doesn't affect what people get. Well, will people not get, so if somebody's working for you for one skew of the game and then you port the game to the ps4 do they not get a revenue any share of the ps4 money yeah they do but we don't uh, we wouldn't uh offset the, oh, the costs of the port in that yes, calculation and yeah we haven't had to do this but it's also possible if more people work on the port then you'd get different percentages for different uh, platforms uh, and yeah again it's something that, that can get kind of complicated but like I think it's possible to work out yeah I think another part of it is um, 
see, I'm in such a different mindset than I used to be now, right? But like, there's the different there's a difference in my mind between the people you're hiring that are contractors and the people that are part of the team. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, I I definitely like when I was at the molasses flood, we were a team. The six of us were working together, and it was a shared goal. And I think it, it was very similar to what you're doing now. Whereas there's also there was people on on the various games I've worked on that were not part of the team that we were hiring to clean up models to um, do specific tasks. Do you understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like ideally I want to work on projects where everyone is part of the team. Um, and that's maybe uh, a bit uh, optimistic or uh, idealist. Oh, I think there's... Well, oh, this goes. This is so complicated because on the one hand, I agree with you, that would be great. But on the other hand, I really like working with specialists and there's something really nice. Like on Kine, I I've been struggling with the fog for a long time and I uh, Joe from Effectsville happened to have a, a person free for two days. He's like, hey, what if... Uh, um, he pinged me. He's like, hey, do you still need help with effects? And I was like, yeah. And I just paid a small sum of money to Joe to get two days of this person's time to make an effect. And I, that was so much faster and more effective. And I knew exactly what I wanted, but I couldn't do it. And they did it. That to me is like, that's a contract. And I don't think that person or Effectsville in general, the, the house that did this necessarily... Um, I, like, I don't feel the guilty about not giving them mm-hmm. a rev share, right? Yeah, I, that makes sense. And I guess you just have to feel it out case by case. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I I mean, I definitely... I think I used to think a lot more like you do about um, the game being a collaboration and stuff. But I think there we're moving towards a world now where games are... It's a combination of being really expensive to make and the fact that... So when most of the games I've worked on, maybe it's the kinds of games I've worked on, you spend a lot, you, you just need to ramp up a lot more people towards the end. Um, like it, at every scale, every scale of project I've worked on. Uh, at, on Bioshock Infinite, we tripled the animation size for the last three months. We just hired, like we had, what, eight in-house animators and then we just picked up um, a bunch of people on contract for the last couple months to just help us get through the fire hose of animation work we needed to do. Um, or just at the end of the project, all of a sudden you're like, okay, we know exactly what we're doing. We finally figured it out. Now crank, especially on the art team, like on, on art for different size development teams, you just need to suddenly bring in a lot of people right at the end. And I feel like the best way to do that is contract housing. I really feel like the future of the industry is a small core team that I agree you should definitely treat as part of the team and you should keep together and love those people and make sure they get rev share. And then like, and that's going to be like maybe a third of the people that actually touch your game. And then at the end of the project, you just, everybody that's in your core team becomes not what their discipline is. They become a person that's in charge of outsourcers and you just pull in the people you need to get the game done at the end. And I know I'm I'm probably thinking about projects that are a lot bigger than Mm. like, I think because I I am right because I'm thinking about like Bioshock Infinite and stuff like that. I was gonna say that Um, would be the distinction there. I think. Yeah. Uh, I I mean, I don't know. Like, ask again in a year when I'm in the stage of like, oh god, we need to finish this game. (laughs) (laughs) Well, 
No, I mean, I've seen what you're working on, too. And I guess it's just such a different beast. Like, I have to... F uh, and, and I'll say, like, with the Flame and the Flood, we didn't really... Like, we hired two contractors at the very end to help with some last-minute stuff. But, yeah, maybe it doesn't apply. Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, yeah, there, there are models for every scale, right? So it's all applicable. It just depends. I mean, it sounds like your experience a lot, uh, Alan, has been very positive. Like, you haven't had any negative experiences on that front. Uh, well, so, I mean... I guess the the flip side uh, that I'm not going to go into too much is yes. Uh, like I've I've been talking a lot about oh yeah just trust your your team like you'll be able to come to a good agreement. Um, nobody's out to get anyone. Uh, but then if it turns out you don't know your team and one of them turns out to be a terrible person, then in theory you might have to. Like, oh, now I'm committed to paying this person who I... Like, yeah, if if your team falls out, then mm. that's a, a weird situation to put yourself into. Um, but I I guess the, the benefits of it and the moral rightness of it uh, outweigh that, I think. Yeah. Um, and I, I think the other... The other strong counter-argument against this, I think, is... Not really applicable to the way I make games, but it's like, oh, well, if you're paying people rev share, then does that come at the cost of, like, what if then you can't afford to make another game? Like, do you make people redundant for the sake of past games royalties? Um, and in my case, that doesn't really make sense because we work in a contracting basis. We're making this game, and if there's no money left over after making this game, then we just won't make another game. Um, but I'm, I'm always, like, I'm not employing people. people. There's the expectation that once we finish this game, they'll be going off and getting different gigs anyway. Whereas at a studio which is employing people, then it's much more of a trade-off of, like, what percentage of rev share can we give up? Like, for, for my games, it's, like, very high rev shares because I, I don't see my games as funding my studio i see them as a thing that we've built collaboratively and that everyone should profit from um and then from my my, my company takes a small percentage of that to cover like expenses and uh in theory to uh, make another game but like it's a very small percentage um and then i take a percentage which i kind of roll into my company and that's that's the chunk that i'm using to fund future games um but if if that chunk is not big enough to make another game, then that doesn't mean that suddenly I have to fire people. Whereas with a studio like you that is employing people, you just can't give people as generous a rev share. Which Yeah. You know. Well that's definitely true. It also goes into the mentality of like Oh, how do I put it? Like some people believe that you should do games like this. It's a project. You come together, you build the ideal team to make exactly what you're making, and then you disperse, and then you slowly build up the team again. Um, a lot of people hate that. That's part of the gig economy. That's part of... Uh, it creates an unstable working situation. A lot of people prefer uh, if game companies were more stable, if they had a stable... Like a salary and, and you know, like a 401k and things like that, you know. Um, and if you want to be somebody who's 
building a studio up, a stable place for people that have families and stuff, then then you might be a lot more shy and you might be leaning more towards the other way, which is to build a core studio um, and then make the games make the game that makes sense and that fits the studio. And if you do that, like there's advantages to that as well because if you can keep the same group of people working together for a long period of time you kind of get to you get into each other's heads you know how everybody on the team works you know how to work with you know like oh like bob's got bob has problems where he will work really really hard for four weeks and then burn himself out but i'm used to it because i've worked with bob forever you Mm. know and you you kind of you get really good at filling in the gaps between your expertise and things like that. There's advantages to keeping everybody together. There's huge advantages as well to, to the way Alan does it though, right? Like he, he, Alan can hire up uh, exactly what he needs to make exactly the game he wants to make. It also, I imagine it's gotta be nice to have some breathing room in between games. Mm-hmm. And like, cause that it's a lot horrible of... period between games. It's like, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of uh, stress. Like I, I would be terrified if I was responsible for people's livelihoods and like to some degree I, I am, but like not to the degree of employing them and like all that. It's like, I I just don't want that weight on my head. Yeah. No, I don't blame you. Like it's, uh, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's stressful. It's stressful and it, it's hard and it, it definitely changes your, um, it depends on your goals. It depends if you, some people want to make a studio that outlives them, right? Mm. And some people want to really, really make this specific game. And then when that's done, they'll really make the next specific game. But but in general, I love, I, I kind of agree with your strategy of getting together people just for a game and then dispersing because I feel like it real different people need different amounts of downtime after game ships and have different goals. And that there is nothing worse than that time in between two games. Like, when you're not quite sure... It, well, I imagine if you have money, it's not so bad. But, like, every time we've shipped a game, there's been, like, that euphoria right after you ship, followed by the, oh, God, what's coming now? Mm-hmm. Which, in the case of Irrational, was, like, DLC and then shutting down. Or, and the... the uh, you know, like, it's just never... I've never had a good experience in that kind of... Yeah, I mean, I need, I need at least a month, generally two or three, to do not very much at all and like if you're employed by a company you, you don't really get that you just nope back to work oh they i mean it's pretty common in the industry you'll get like a vacation mm. after the game ships but is that but a paid very... vacation yeah oh, okay yeah like um and especially because we actually had comp time at irrational after we shipped so like we got um it was varied based on how much you worked. I worked a lot, so I had quite a bit of time off after that. But that's not good either. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I, I don't know how to explain what it's like when you've... Uh, so at the coming up to the end of Bioshock Infinite, I was working every day for 10 hours a day, mm. and I knew exactly what I had to do. Like, I'd get up, I'd go to work, I had purpose. And then that ended, and they were like, okay, we need you to stop working. Um, go on vacation for a couple months. Leave. Mm. And you go home, and you're like, fuck, what do I do? Like, what do people do what like it's just too much yeah. to go from all on to all off like it, it without any warning it just kind of breaks the brain plus you don't get the um 
then you come back and people are rolling back on at different times because like the the programmers will need to be the engine programmers for instance will be there for the longest or the directors need the most downtime in between projects but they start their downtime the latest so then all of a sudden people are trickling back in and and your boss isn't in yet and nobody knows what's going on right like it it does it it gets like shitty in between projects um i i don't i wish i had examples of times where i've seen people do it right but personally i haven't experienced that yet yeah uh i mean yeah this anyway making games is terrible uh nobody should do it (laughs) that's the conclusion it's a lot of fun i i guess that we walked pretty far away from the royalties conversation it's, it's all interesting stuff i think yeah i think uh god royalties in general how you pay people and who you take money from i think is um it's okay so there's two sides of this i think some people really appreciate royalties a lot more than others like i feel like if you're at a large company and somebody offers you stock options or something or a more common thing is if you're at a startup in silicon valley and they'll give you like um options which will 99% of the time be useless because the company's going to fold uh, or never be taken public um, you generally write it off and a lot of times there's this yeah maybe someday I'll get profit sharing I guess but you you kind of write it off and you're not the bonus is always a theoretical thing in AAA mm-hmm. whereas with in indie like people still believe in it right. uh, like it, it's it's a probable source of income for a lot of people and it it actually pans out a lot more often in the indie space surprisingly going for profit sharing or for some kind of bonus plan um Mm -hmm. i know people personally that have done very well off of that i mean relies on the mass success of a game but i do know a number of people who that's worked very well for yeah yeah and like even Uh, even without massive success like um ben and i have been living off revenue from our our games um for like a few years now and like if you live frugally you can you can live off a percentage of a medium success game and it it must be nice to have like ben is your programmer right it's cool to have somebody with skin in the game that's a programmer too because say like in the future you need to port sokabond over to one of the new consoles that's coming out be like hey ben we should probably do this and he'll be like yeah because he's he's been seeing money from it and he wants to keep seeing money from sokoban for a while so i can definitely see that there's definitely advantage for me i'm always really careful um like obviously i'm i'm a little bit sour on royalties but i'm also pretty careful about who i take money from Mm. like if you can get money like i'll take a worse deal from a platform holder than i will from a publisher because I feel like having a platform holder that has skin in the game is good. Yeah. Like I, I had a great experience with um, working with Microsoft. I'm the only indie in the world, <laughs> I guess, but like I loved ID at Xbox. Like they were great to us with the flame and the flood. Um, and so I, there, there just is something to having, picking who has skin in the game in the long term for your, for your profits. I think. This wasn't a conversation. This was me preaching. Sorry. <laughs> Gwen, just letting you know how it is. So for your people, they uh, they get profit sharing, but the ownership of the, like you own the code and the art assets and everything for Sokobond and all the games. Right? Uh, so that would be the kind of thing that you'd put in a contract, Gwen. 
<laughs> <laughs> well, yes. Uh, oh, does that mean you can't talk about it? Oh. No, I mean that we have never discussed the details of that, and we have never signed contracts. So who knows? Um, well, for the games you've already shipped, like Sokobon. Yeah, like and I stuff. said, we don't have contracts for those games. Holy crap! <laughs> uh, but it's fine. <laughs> I mean, so so that means that whatever is the default happens, and the default would be they own the code, but they're licensing it to the company. And I I don't think there's a big difference between those two things um, for like ninety nine percent of cases. Um, like, doesn't doesn't matter whether this company has the rights to use this code or whether this company owns this code. Yeah, I don't know if you're like one hit away from <laughs> like i i mean it's cool that you guys are also cool yeah i mean i'm 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 about. one disgruntled uh, contractor away from having uh I, I mean i guess having a lawsuit but like people don't want to like people people do that over like big shit yeah like the worst I that mean, would happen well, is like somebody if, what if your next complains game on is twitter like, bigger than mario uh then well so for this game we're gonna sign contracts um um but like yeah i even even if this game was big i think the amount of bigness that it would get is not going to be and like also i'm not trying to screw people so as long as we stick to what we've agreed then if anyone decided to cause trouble then it would be fairly obvious that they're in the wrong, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I feel there, like there are the edge cases that are covered in contracts. Um, or there's just opportunities that come yeah. up that you don't expect in the future. Like, say um, Disney comes to you and they say, hey, we really like a good snowman. It's hard to build. We want to make a game. We want to take that game and re rebrand it with the frozen IP. We'll handle it. Just we're going to give you a million dollars to do mm -hmm. it. Or, or maybe somebody's like, we want to make the sequel to Soka Bond. We'll give you five half a mil for your ip then i buy, sign buy the contracts with everyone licensing the ip to the company and then we sign the contracts licensing it to the other company hmm yeah i guess i mean it is like kind of a rich person problem right mm -hmm. like you don't have yeah, these problems yeah. until you've yeah um no i mean yeah i'm so when we when we sign contracts for for this game i'm also going to drop similar contracts for past games and just sign them retroactively um, because it, it does it does make sense to have them um, but it's it's just it's just never some, like it's never the most important thing to make happen uh, like it's it's only happening now because I hired a producer at the start of January mm. and cool. they can like just look at this kind of thing and and deal with it and like draw up a contract and go hey does this look right and I can go yeah can we have something less formal <laughs> Wow, that's so crazy. It, you definitely just came from the opposite direction of the industry then. Because <laughs> I'm like, this is just fucking mind-blowing. Wow. I mean, it's cool, though. That, and it has worked out. I know. Like, we'll, we'll see if in 20 years I've been sued into oblivion. <laughs> in 20 years, we'll bring this podcast back and be like, hey, Alan, remember that time? <laughs> remember how opt optimistic and idealistic you were? The whole show is just called Gwen Was Right. 
Gwen just, Gwen just ringing people up while I sit no. there and be like, hey, uh, that's so great. Gwen yeah. has to talk to you again. And yeah. Oh, I have a... The grudge I show. have an intense fear of somebody at some point. Like, eventually... Someday this podcast is going to be thrown in my face. <laughs> I don't know which episode it's going to be, but I know for a fact I've been... Like, the the game they're making at the Molasses Flood right now is going to go on and everybody else is... All my friends are going to be billionaires. And they're going to be like, Gwen, remember that time you left to make some stupid <laughs> fucking puzzle game? Like, there's... It's inevitable. That's Gwen was like, wrong. Different show. Wrong. <laughs> oh, different show. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's your podcast. podcast, Chris. Yes, Gwen was uh, wrong. <laughs> no, but this episode will be the... Alan has regrets. <laughs> yes, it's a it's a really sad state of affairs in the podcasting world in twenty years' time, where it's all just looking back on former <laughs> episodes and be like, "Oh God." All right. At well, least I we tried. I... That's the sub. Like, like that's the heading for the whole thing. Right, there you go. I dig it. Well, thanks for chatting with us, uh, Alan Hazelden. Yeah, anytime. Oh, don't say that. I'll take you up on that. That's recorded now. Yeah, I, I, I stick to it. This is fun. It's on the public record. All right, cool. And it's always fun chatting with you, Chris Slight. You too, Gwen. Uh, this has been Gwen Frey and Chris Slight and Alan Hazelden, and you've been in the dialogue box. Boop, boop, boop. <laughs>